Hey everyone and welcome to the Hashtag Career Goals podcast. I'm your host Adele Walsh and each week I interview incredible women on how they crafted their amazing careers. We're coming to the end of the season and I want to say a huge thank you to everyone who has listened, supported me and gave positive feedback. And thank you so much to all the women who have participated. You've been inspiring and I've learned so much. I really hope as listeners you have too. So Today's episode is going to be a bit different from my normal career journey interviews. I will be discussing the topic of imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome is when an individual doubts their skills, talents or accomplishments and has a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud. I'm not good enough. Why did they hire me? They're soon going to find out that I can't do this role. I just got lucky. I wanted to record a podcast on this imposter syndrome as most of us, especially but not limited to women, experience imposter syndrome at some point in our careers. This can affect your mental health, confidence and how you progress and perform in your career. For example, 28% of women feel like imposter syndrome has stopped them speaking up in a meeting and 26% have failed to change career or pursue a new job opportunity because of it. I think it's really important to bring awareness to the subject to let people know they are not alone. It's a very common feeling and it's important to recognize it and manage it so you can progress confidently in your career. In this episode, I'm joined by Trisha Barker, an imposter syndrome coach, where she shares her view on the topic and some ways that you can manage it. I really hope you enjoy this one. Here's my discussion with Trisha. Hi Trisha, thank you for joining me today. Oh, thank you for having me and asking me to be on your podcast. I really appreciate it. Great, Um, so I've been super eager to speak about this topic. It's super common. Um, All of us experience it at some point in our career, if not more than once. So I think it's really important to bring awareness to it and kind of discuss um, how to identify it and how to manage it so you can cope with it and turn it into a positive. Um, So I want to start with, what is your definition of imposter syndrome? For me, is not being able to identify and resonate with your own abilities and any success that you have you don't put it down to the fact that you're good enough. You put it down to external factors. So it's, it's that whole self-esteem thing. Am I worthy enough? That's the way I see it. It's just having that self-belief in yourself. What I find a lot with people with imposter syndrome is that they have lots of limiting beliefs about what, they ha- what they're capable of and their own abilities. So for me, yeah, it's just back to that. People cannot see and identify with the abilities that they have as a person. Mm. So how does one develop imposter syndrome? Is it because of a self-esteem, low self-confidence, or is it due to them being in, you know, a new job that is um, nothing they've done before and it just is a bit scary or is it mixed the two? So how do we develop imposter syndrome? So the, what we believe about ourselves starts actually really young in life. So between the ages of zero to seven, imagine we're like a blank computer we've just got from the store. It's got no apps on there, no programs. We haven't, com- we haven't created anything on it yet. And from the age of zero to seven, we start to create beliefs about what we think about ourselves and the world around us. So through the experiences we have at school with our families, the things that people say to us, we start to create this internal picture of ourselves about, are we good enough? And then from the age of seven onwards, we are reinforcing what we believe about ourselves. So the programming of imposter syndrome actually comes really early in our lives. And I don't, and I mean it in the nicest possible way. I don't think any parent, teacher or situation a child is in, somebody wants to make them not feel good enough. 
but through the if you've got a parent who, who actually whatever you do is not good enough they're always trying to push you harder um, if you don't get enough praise all of those different things can attribute to what we believe about ourselves so then when we go into the education system and then we go into work we may find ourselves in places that we don't believe that we're good enough to be there. We might not feel like we belong. Like I worked in a corporate environment where it was very male orientated. I'm from a working class background. Mm -hmm. So I have no reference to the people in that organization. I don't know people like that because I wasn't brought up in an environment like that. Mm -hmm. It was very male white dominated. So when you go in there immediately, all those things that you've been probably simmering under the surface for a lot of years comes up. Wow. So like you say, it could be at school that you're in a situation where you're in a new school. It's new. You're learning new things. So that I call them triggers. There's lots of things that can trigger that inner imposter to show up. But really where it comes from is what we believe about ourselves. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Super interesting. So identifying imposter syndrome, so yes. signs of it, you know, emotionally, mentally, etc. How would you kind of identify those? And are, are they basically kind of self-esteem, low self-confidence, the same attributes as that kind of? Yeah. And interestingly, a lot of people can have this outer confidence so they look like they've got all their shit together. Mm. They look really confident in meetings or whatever they're doing. Doesn't mean to say that they're not experiencing imposter syndrome. Internally, yeah. What yeah. I find with a lot of people, and I'm talking from experience here, that the majority of my corporate career, I wore a mask every day. Like I'd walk in think, thinking and trying to act in a certain way, but internally I didn't. So... In order to understand how imposter syndrome shows up for us as individuals, there's lots of different ways. So imposter syndrome is a term that we can all resonate with, but how it shows up for each of us will be completely different. Okay, interesting. And, and, yeah. and also in what situations it might show up for different people. But we, we will have some commonalities. So I always say to people, the way that you can find how imposter syndrome shows up for you is follow your thoughts, follow your feelings, and check your behavior. Those mm. three things. So what are you thinking about yourself when you're going into a situation or preparing for something? What's that inner imposter saying to you? We've all got it. That part of our brain that is designed to keep us safe. So with the imposter syndrome, it's using that part of our brain. So when we're thinking of going for a new opportunity, what's the thoughts? Are we thinking, oh, no, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. That person's going to get it. They're way more qualified than me. I shouldn't be here. Sometimes you've got to watch what those thoughts are. Yeah, yes, yeah, amazing. Yeah. And it's hard because we have over 70,000 thoughts a day. Yeah. So you're not going to be able to watch all of them, but just start to be, you know, a detective. Start to watch the thoughts that you have because the thoughts are created by your beliefs. So when yeah. you think you're not, you, you shouldn't go for a job because actually I'm not smart enough, it's telling you that actually you, you believe that you're not good enough. So it's like a limiting belief almost, kind of those yeah. negative thoughts are yeah. yeah. So your, your limiting belief causes the thoughts. Also, it causes your feelings. So I always say follow the feelings. So if you're feeling anxious about a situation, ask yourself, what is this feeling telling me? Mm -hmm. Because the feeling is normally attached to a belief that I'm not good enough. And therefore, because I'm going into a new situation or I'm putting myself out there or I'm sharing my views, the feeling comes because the belief is being triggered. Yeah. And same with behavior. Behavior is an interesting one. So how you can spot it is there's two types of behavior that you will find that imposter syndrome has and as an individual now you could be one or both of them there's two types so you can be a mix of both I found in the corporate world I was more of one but now I find now I've got my own business and I can do what I want when I want yeah I can find the other so the two are is avoidance 
So you don't do things because you don't want to put yourself out there because mm. then other people will see and yeah. then they can tell you you're not good enough. Or the other one is overworking. So you're constantly trying to prove your worth. So in avoidance, you'll do things like you won't speak up in meetings. You won't put yourself forward for a promotion. You won't go for the job. You'll see an advert and you'll self judge yourself that you're not good enough. You might fall into the procrastination pit yes, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. not get things done. Mm-hmm. Or in the overwork, you might actually be stuck in perfectionism. You might have really bad boundaries around work that you're working in the evenings, weekends, even on holidays. You yeah. struggle to say no to people. So you've got the best way for an individual is follow those three things. Follow what you're thinking, you're feeling, and how you're behaving to understand how it shows up for you. Yeah, that makes great sense. Like people will almost, you know, they either need to shout about it or overprove themselves. Yes. Or else, as you said, they, they shy away with that and be like, oh, I can handle anything, but you know, I'm going to be the quiet one in the back of the room. Yeah. Yes. Oh my God. They, they hide, yeah. So they hide. So I used to, so in the workplace, I was definitely an overworker. So throughout my career, I was constantly trying to prove that I should have got the jobs that I did. And I was good enough to be in that space. But then in meetings where you could share your opinions, I would definitely be an avoider and a hider. Yeah. And I would sit there and someone would ask a question. And in my head, I would come up with something, but I just didn't have the inner confidence to share it thinking, well, someone, if it's rubbish, people will then judge me and realize I'm not good enough. Yeah. Um, but interestingly, and some, you might resonate with this and other people might, someone next to you says exactly the same thing that you were thinking in your head and everyone goes, great idea. Yeah. And you're almost kicking yourself. Yeah. You're kicking yourself afterwards yeah. because you think, oh, I should have spoken up. But that's just your imposter trying to keep you safe. That's, that's yeah. the job of the imposter all the time is trying to keep you safe from either putting yourself out there and being judged and other people telling you that you're not good enough. Yeah, I can completely relate. Like when I used to be working some stages, maybe more so at the start of my career, but definitely, you know, recently as well, um, you'd almost be like, oh, that can't be right because I'm too junior or, you know, everyone else here is too senior, you know, they will know better or they will just think that's minor. You know, you're, yeah. you're almost like having all these thoughts within 10 seconds of a question being asked. It's like, it's a lot. Yeah. And I just look at it like when I, I suffered with imposter syndrome um, throughout my education and throughout the whole of my career, the intensity which I experienced, it was different at different times and in different situations. But I think it's just important for people to realize that it can crop up at any time. And actually when you're starting out in your career, you can look at other people who are more experienced, older than you and judge yourself that, well, you can't be as good as them because you don't have the age or the experience. And therefore you can find yourself either overworking or hiding to not put yourself out there or to have somebody tell you you're not good enough. And, but I think the sooner that you can recognize that you're experiencing this and name it, it's wonderful to be able to say, I am experiencing imposter syndrome. And the reason it's brilliant is once you verbalize it, it doesn't have the same power, but also recognizing that it's more normal to experience imposter syndrome than it isn't. Yeah. So if you actually admit that, yes, I'm experiencing this, welcome to the club. You're more normal than yeah, not yeah. normal. Like there's so much research been done. The original research was seven out of 10 people were experiencing this. But Tresemme did a survey last year and 88% of women were experiencing this. Mm-hmm. The, the numbers are huge. You've got to think if you're in a meeting at work and there's 10 people sat around that table, and it, whether that's virtually or in real life, yeah. seven out of those people around that table will be experiencing it now or some point in their career. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You're not alone in this. No, not at all. And do you... Um... You know how you said, you know, it's a few things, actually. Say it's 88% women. Do you find it's more common in women or particular, I guess, um, 
categories or kind of um, experiences or does everyone experience this? So when it was originally coined back in 1974, the research was carried around about high achieving professional women. Hmm, so originally yeah. it was all around women. Women, yeah. Over the years, there's been different types of research that says men do experience it. So there was a survey done by Commercial Union Finance in the UK in 2018. And I think about 56% of men in the UK said they experienced it yeah. at work. So this isn't something that is just about women. Yeah. Both can experience it. I just find more women are open to talk about their feelings. Yes, yeah. Or most find it easier to talk about their insecurities because yeah. we do that with friends and family. You know, we are very much more an open gender. And I think we're taught that from a very early age. So yeah. I think some of it is, and it's wonderful that there's so many things now telling men to talk up and speak out about things mm -hmm. and admitting a weakness doesn't mean that you're not strong. You know, I think women are much, find it much easier to talk about their weaknesses. Yeah, absolutely. Men are the majority of the time brought up to keep it all in, keep it bottled up, be strong. Don't show you're vulnerable. Yeah. So, in answer to your question, yes, I do think men experience it, but to talk about it, I think the numbers will be less because of that. Yeah, I had a friend who I was speaking about this podcast to, and she was, I was saying the stats on men and women when I was doing yeah. some research myself, and she was completely shocked to hear that men even experienced it. She yeah. said, wow, they probably do a better job at hiding it. So yes. she was like, that's probably what it is. And I was like, yeah, because they don't, they, a lot of them do not open up and admit no. or show, show the vulnerability side. Yeah, when I, when I work with male clients around imposter syndrome, they've definitely um, been conditioned to believe that showing any of that is a weakness and actually even talking about your feelings mm -hmm. is difficult for them because they've never talked about feelings before they've just bottled them up and this is the thing like I say it's wonderful now there's so many things allowing men to be more vulnerable absolutely yeah yeah and kind of leaders speaking out about it and stuff in different kind of areas um yeah. So for me, I think I've experienced it in two different ways. Um, so one being at the start of my career, entering a corporate kind of lifestyle, um, a corporate industry yeah, and being like a graduate. And so basically going into a, uh, going in as a graduate to a full on team that were full of seniors, um, you know, leaders, et cetera and just feeling completely inadequate, unconfident in the role and comparing myself to people who had, who were 30s, 40s, uh, 10 years experience, etc. Just so unrealistic. But I yeah. used to be like, full on, I can't do this, like really nervous to speak up. And it was just, it was just so, so negative, so bad for my mental health or bad for, it just didn't let me enjoy the the experience of being a graduate obviously you know after a few months I got into it and all was yeah. fine but it does kind of ruin that experience for you and I just think it's so important you know to put that pressure on yourself compare yourself to people with 30 years 10 years experience it's just you know it's it's unrealistic yeah we do it don't we as mm. humans yeah um, when I started my own business you're comparing yourself to someone who might have been in business for 10 years yeah, yeah. so it's the same whether you're you're an employee or you're running your own business sometimes you're you're comparing your chapter one to someone's chapter 20 and it's yeah. ridiculous because mm -hmm. they've gone through all these different chapters to get to where they are yeah but I also think I was really fortunate last year I went into a company and a part of their graduate week of um, I did a, a workshop on imposter syndrome mm -hmm. so all the new graduates that had started that were working around the, the world they were brought back into the UK Brilliant, to have a yeah. graduate week mm -hmm. and one of the sessions we did an afternoon around imposter syndrome and some of them had never heard of it before but it was like this relief around the table of wow like I thought this was just me yeah 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 but I think I think it's so important 
really an educational level an entry into the workplace that we should be talking about these things to people yeah. if you're experiencing this is normal and this yeah. is how let's give you some tools and techniques to be able to handle it the problem that i find and it's getting better but companies aren't addressing this and if there's that if the percentages are that high of people experiencing this mm -hmm. And it should be a topic that they're talking about yeah. in the workplace more. In onboarding or something. Because yeah, how would absolutely. you have felt if you'd have learned about it when you were feeling all of those things? Absolutely. As a I would have just, you know, taken pressure off myself, you know, it's mad. Because yeah. even the people I would work with, they wouldn't have like top expert, you know, they wouldn't be putting the pressure on me. It would be all yeah. individually me. And even yeah. you'd have friends being like, oh, sure, it's your first day, like relax. But it's like, it's like to have awareness of, you know, this is a normal feeling and no one is expecting you to be at this level on day yeah. one. You know, it's just to put perspective on it and just to take the pressure off yourself. It could just make things more enjoyable as well. And you're, you're more Absolutely. into nursing, ask more questions. So yeah. it's just, you know, it's definitely. And that's the thing. People are not enjoying the success of yeah, their exactly. career. Mm. You know, what I find is imposter, when people experience imposter syndrome, their whole view of competency and the word what competency means is skewed. Yeah. Like their, their standards of what they're measuring themselves against are most of the time impossible to meet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, because they've got such high standards so like you going into the workplace, your, your expectations of yourself were probably way too high yeah. for the fact that you were just starting as a graduate in a company. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if people could actually start to lower their expectations of what they expect from themselves, it doesn't mean to say you don't want to do a good job, but just allow yourself a little bit of space to question and actually be able to say yes i'm new in this yes i'm learning of course i can't compare myself to this person yeah. if you can do that you might actually start to enjoy and find the success and achievement in your yeah. career i look back now i had a, a, a very successful career in corporate hr but for the for the majority of that i was not enjoying it i couldn't see the success now mm -hmm. i can look back and think wow there were so many amazing things i did so many amazing achievements but hindsight's a wonderful thing what would be wonderful is young people going into work working that out early on in your career Absolutely. so that you don't get to the same stage as me of looking back and then being able to see it all but actually yeah. be able to see it as you're on that journey. Yeah. That's yeah. one thing that I think why people should tackle imposter syndrome because it robs you of actually enjoying the success that you're having. Yeah. And I completely agree. I feel like whenever I've experienced it, it has removed that positive or enjoyment from working yeah. because yeah. I would just then kind of speaking to friends or something separately they would see you and be like, oh, that's amazing. Like, that sounds really exciting. And then you would view it as like, oh, I have anxiety about it, you know, that kind of way. So yeah. I definitely have become a more, more aware of it taking from you rather than anything else. Yeah, um, and it is. It's like you say, is this thing that comes internally? Yeah. Like imposter syndrome is an internal thing. Mm -hmm. But our environment that we work in can have an impact on that. So there's lots of dynamics around the workplace where... I wrote a blog recently about it. Is your workplace breeding imposter syndrome? Because there's lots of things externally in your environment that can trigger that internal feeling of unworthiness in you. So especially like when you go into a new role, do you know what's expected of you? Like you might have been for a job and someone might have sort of covered a little bit of training and you've been given a job description, but no one's really told you what's expected of you. You're not really exactly. sure what the outcomes are. You're not really getting any feedback or any positive feedback. And you're sort of just bumbling along, trying to figure out and wondering whether you're doing a good enough job or not. Yeah. So there's lots of things within your environment that can actually trigger it. You might feel okay, but then all of these different things in your environment start to trigger off the feelings the thoughts and the behaviors yeah yeah really interesting um so what are i guess the effects of imposter syndrome be it positive or negative so i know we mm. talked a bit about you know mental health etc but say around your careers 
have you experienced, you know, maybe working with clients and stuff that it actually, you know, limits their courage or confidence to go for a new opportunity internally, even if they've had like X amount of years experience? Absolutely. So if you can't recognize your own abilities, when a position comes up, you're, you're already self-selecting yourself out mm-hmm. of the process. If um, they see a job advertised, they're not going for it. They're very much living in their comfort zone to think about putting themselves out there. They already judge themselves. So to put themselves forward for a new opportunity, this gives a stranger or somebody else the opportunity to then judge you. And if you are judging yourself from a really negative place, the last thing you want to do is make yourself visible for a new opportunity because other people, what I find as well is if you've got to do any assessments, so any um, ability tests, any personality assessments, people experiencing imposter syndrome as part of that recruitment process will want to pull out of the process. Oh yeah. Because it's another validation that if I fail these, it's showing that I'm not smart enough. Yeah, so I'll yeah, take yeah, myself yeah. out of the recruitment process. So lots of people I know in the past have, have pulled out of recruitment processes and companies need to ask, why are people pulling out? Because what I find is companies are missing out on really good talent. There is talent in mm-hmm. the organization, but some of that talent are not pushing themselves forward or are sort of hiding in the background that the talent is there, but people just can't see it enough. And sometimes what you find in organizations, I don't know whether the ones that you've worked in, is that there's some people who are really loud and will do all the talking and therefore they get seen more, but it doesn't, mean they're, it doesn't mean they're the most talented. It just means they're the most outwardly confident people. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Or they'll speak up the most in the, in the meeting. So they must be, have some good points. You know, they're kind of active at a meeting. So people love that. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes they talk for the sake of talking just to to fill the silence, but it doesn't mean that they're the most talented. So I do find, and it's wonderful when I'm working with my clients that they may, they may be stuck, but as they start to tackle their imposter and actually start to question these beliefs that they've had about themselves, they start to see themselves in a new light and, and actually it opens up more doors and they go into that experience from a much more positive Like I've had people who have gone through a recruitment process having really intense um, feelings of imposter syndrome and actually hating the whole experience and actually feeling like they're a fake going into Mm -hmm. an interview and trying to sell themselves when they don't really feel it. It's a much better place to go into an interview when you actually believe the stuff you're saying about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. You are much more likely to put your best foot forward when you're speaking from the heart rather than speaking something that you're trying to pretend you are, which you probably are all of those things. Yeah. But it's harder to talk about something when you don't believe in it. Yeah, definitely. You have to be your biggest uh, supporter. Yeah. And if if you're not, then what what are you going to do when you put yourself forward for an opportunity or a promotion comes up or things like that? I used to shy away. Yeah. The last thing I wanted to do was put myself forward for a new opportunity. I was really fortunate in my career that through the work that I did just by showing up every day, people could spot that I was capable and I would get promoted without actually going through an interview process. Yeah. And a lot of my career, that's what happened. I just kept getting promoted. Didn't have to do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that you know someone, you know, say if you're in one company, you do a role. And you're yeah. like, oh, I, I just want to move company. You know, you mightn't be promoted, but you're like same level, but you're moving company. Yeah. And you might start somewhere or even if you go, you know, freelance or something and you've done yeah. it a hundred times end to end, like proof that you have, you can do this and yeah. you've done it a number of times and you still go in somewhere and you're like, oh my God, why do they hire me? Like they're going, do they, they, do they even need me here? You know? And you're like, you've done it already for the last X amount of years. It's interesting that you can still feel like, Oh gosh, can I do this again? Like kind of a thing. Yeah. It was, it was interesting that actually happened to me when I moved to exactly the same role, but just in a different company. Yeah. I'll feel better. The, this, it, and I sort of at the time didn't actually realize I was experiencing imposter syndrome. It's only looking back at my career, but I moved to this new company thinking, oh, it's going to be different. But yeah. what I found was it followed me. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you can't escape it. You have to deal with it. So a lot of yeah. people think, I'll just change job and I'll feel better. Yeah. If you don't deal with the way that you, what you believe about yourself and you don't tackle your thoughts and what you're feeling and how you behave, it does follow you. It'll follow you wherever you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Even if you have proof that you can, it's, it's yeah. as in, yeah, it's just like you can't believe it still almost. It's mad. Yeah, you, um, have to train, you have to train your brain to look for the evidence because your brain naturally is wired for the negative. Yeah. That, that's what it's done. Our brain is just to keep us, it's a survival mechanism. That's what it's there for. So it's looking for danger all the time. So it's going to be negative all the time. You've got to train it to be positive. You've got to train it not to focus so much on the negative. Yeah. So if, if you're doubting yourselves, then what's, what's the thoughts in your head? Well, of course, they're going to be negative. Like, who are you to be here? The positive side is, well, you've done this before. You've got to carry on reinforcing and challenging that negative part of your brain. Yeah. So that it starts to change the neural, the neural pathways in your brain. You can change your brain and the way yeah. that you think about yourselves. It just takes practice. Yeah. But you are, if you do it, you're rewiring your brain about what you think about yourself. It's really yeah. cool. And you're kind of attracting positive energy, yeah. etc., with your kind of positive outlook and thoughts. Yeah, um, it's yeah. exhausting. It is. Like to, to be down on yourself all the time and questioning and looking for this danger that actually isn't there. There is no evidence. Like the majority of people have never had a bad appraisal. They've never been pulled up by their boss for their rubbish work. They've mm-hmm. never, like they don't have any evidence. Like, like you just said then, what evidence? Well, you, they don't have any. Like yeah, I yeah. say to my clients, give me some evidence. And they're, <laughs> they can't. I know. Have you been fired before? Yeah, exactly. No. But then have they'll have evidence put- of like them successful and they're like, oh, forget that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Have you ever been pulled up? Have you ever been put on a performance plan? No. So <laughs> what evidence do you have? I know. It, it's all internal. Yeah. Um, do you think there is any opportunity or positive in imposter syndrome? So I've kind of looked during my research, people are like, oh, you know, it might make you work harder or deliver more. But, you know, from your work, do you kind of ever see a positive spin on it? It's really interesting. Someone else asked me this because somebody told them it makes them humble. Oh. I, I, for me, it's, I, th- I think if it's affecting in a negative way, the way that you, th- you think you feel and you behave, then I don't see there's a positive intention. There's no need to overwork. There's no need to overprove yourself. So yes, you might want your work to be of a good quality, but as long as it's not at the detriment of your health, your well-being, and your life outside of work, mm-hmm. if it's got that positive energy around it, stick with it. For me, I think you've got to be really careful about finding the positive intention. Like if it's making you humble, that's telling me that actually you, we are being conditioned not to talk about our successes. Yeah. And definitely in the UK, like if people are bigging themselves up, it's not seen as a good thing in America, actually. It's much more accepted that people will big themselves up and talk about what's good about them. Mm-hmm. British culture is, no, you play down what you can do. Yeah. So I think everybody just has to question themselves as to if you think it's got a positive intention, just question that positive intention that you think it has. But for me, it, it didn't have a positive intention. It affected my mental well-being. It affected my emotional well-being. It affected how I showed up at work. And all of those things, for me, didn't have a positive intention. But I can't say it doesn't because each individual person experiences it in a different way. But I would say if, you, if people are saying that it makes me work harder. Well, what if you didn't work as hard? Would you still be good enough? Mm-hmm. Like, do you really need to work that hard? And if you're working hard, what are you sacrificing to work that hard? Is it time with your friends? Is it time with your family? Is it time to switch off and work on your emotional well-being? So I would just say, just question it. Yeah, it's kind of like a fine line, isn't it? Because, you know, it, it's like, oh, if you're, it is like that yeah. balance really, yeah. 
And actually, so if you, if you were working on something and you put 10 hours work into it, what would it look like if you did seven hours work? Like, cause you yeah. knew you only had less time. What would the quality be like? I guess a lot of the times is the quality is already there. We're just checking and checking and over thinking something. Mm -hmm. And especially if you've no evidence that you've been pulled up, that your work hasn't been good enough in the past. Yeah. But it can be checking emails, over checking wording of an email, over checking a document. Like some of that stuff, is it healthy? Yeah, it's good to check your work for accuracy, but to over be checking things. Yeah. Again, it's just, are these healthy habits you've got or actually are they unhealthy habits? Yeah. Do you, um, so we touched on this a bit already, but do you find, again, working with clients and just from your experience with it, is it to do, you know, is it, is it something that you can, it's more common when you start your career or have you experienced people who are kind of later into their career and they're still kind of experiencing it in some shape or form? I'm just kind of saying, there's no, it can affect anyone. And yeah, it doesn't matter how like, much experience you have under your belt. Like you could be going to CEO role and feel it, you know, in a way. Oh, so there's so many CEOs that experience this. And yeah. so many people at those high levels in organizations. I went into a company to deliver a workshop and someone very senior in the company came to introduce themselves and told me they were so happy that I was there to deliver the workshop. And they said they were really gutted that they couldn't be part of the workshop and then just leaned forward and went, because I experience it too. Yeah. 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 But what was really interesting was they whispered it to me. Yeah. They didn't want anybody else to know because they were so high up in the organization. Mm, so yeah. it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you are. Actually, if you start at an entry level into a job, every time you get promoted, it's probably going to show its head. Yeah. I call it another level, another devil. Like you can just be in a job and everything feels comfortable and then you get a promotion. And then as soon as you get the promotion, there's more at stake. Yeah. More people are going to be judging you. You've got to perform more. You've got to be able to show that you're able more. And yeah. therefore your imposter syndrome can come up at those times when you are actually leveling up in your career. Yeah. So maybe it's dormant for a while and you think, oh, I've got a handle of this. And then a new opportunity comes along and you think, oh, it's there again. Oh no. <laughs> but that's normal. Yeah. That's normal. So yeah, there's, I've, I've seen research about, um, they had a bunch of, I think it was a hundred CEOs in a room and they asked them to put their hands up if they experienced imposter syndrome and nearly everybody in the room put their hand up. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I think if CEOs in organizations were really vulnerable and allowed themselves to tell their workforce that, hey, I've got to this level and even I still doubt my abilities. Absolutely. Like how refreshing would that be for everybody in the organization to know that actually the person maybe they aspire to be or the person they admire or the person that they're looking at running these companies is in some way similar to them because they still experience it. I think for me, that would be a wonderful thing. You see started opening up about what they experienced. Yeah, I agree. And it's kind of like, you know, when you might listen to like a podcast or see an interview and either you know someone who is in a leadership position high up or very successful basically admits yeah. a vulnerability you like people people like to see that because they're like oh they're you know they're relatable or you know this happens yeah. to you and they've got this far so I definitely think again it would help people so much to if organizations were very vocal about you know those struggles yeah so it's wonderful I've been in some organizations that are really you know, this is on their agenda to tackle it. And it's wonderful that they're yeah. having these conversations. It'd be wonderful if it just became a topic like mental health is now. Mental health is a topic that most organizations are talking about now. This has an impact on our mental health, whether we yeah. like it or not. Can we weave this into the conversation and can we normalize it like we have mental health? I yeah. hope so. That's my dream. <laughs> what would you, what do you kind of see? Like, say, if you're an employee, like, say, listen to this or employer, what would what kind of actions could you put in place in your organization to tackle it? 
I think there's lots of things you can look around your culture. So for, for an, a business and an employer, I think you should look at your culture, um, your processes, your policies, and how um, you recognize and reward achievement and success. Mm. There's lots of different things. I've wrote a blog about it. So if anyone wants to have a look on my website, there's um, lots of tips of how you could yeah. tackle that. So as an employer, as an employee, I think, you know, I think it's harder when you are not in a senior position. Yeah. I know throughout my career, I never felt comfortable to go and talk to someone about how I was feeling. Like to, okay. to go and admit how I was feeling was a weakness. That's how I saw it at the time. Yeah. Um, but I think definitely there's so much that you can do yourself to actually tackle this yourself. But, you know, if you, if you do have someone in the organization, go and talk about it, go and talk about how you feel and what support you might feel that you need. Mm -hmm. I just know I worked in organizations that I didn't feel comfortable to do that. Yeah. I think it depends on like the relationship you have with like a manager, yeah, someone senior. Definitely. You need that forum or you need that individual who's kind of on a friendly level with you or intimate level. Yeah. Yeah. But I find if you don't have that in your company, somebody in your life, and even if it's a stranger, I call them your fraud squad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you think you're a fraud. You think you don't belong. So who's that person that you could just say, listen, I've been feeling this today. I've started a new job. I feel like I'm out of my depth. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't think I belong there. There's people with way more experience. Just actually getting that out of your head and letting those words come out is a relief. Imposter syndrome breathes in isolation. Yeah. So if you allow all of that to go on in your head, it breathes, it gets bigger, it's bigger. As soon as you start to verbalize it, you're like, and then if somebody gives you some kind words, you're like, oh, okay, okay. Yeah it, yeah. it doesn't have the same hold. So yeah, if you don't have anyone in your organization that you feel comfortable enough to talk to, then just find anybody. Yeah. Anybody who will listen. And sometimes I think it's really good to say, I don't want you to fix me. I don't want you to give me some advice. I just need to get these words out of my head so that they stop ruminating inside my head. And then once they're out of my head, that's cool. Yeah. I don't need you to tell me I'm wonderful. I just need to get the negative part out of my head. Yeah, absolutely. And even just telling a friend or a sibling and it's like, they're like, you need to just relax. It's your, yeah. it's your first month or whatever, you know, it's like, yeah. just calm down. <laughs> they're like, yeah, but it helps, you know, small words do help, you know, to kind of give yeah. perspective as we said. So what are, so let's talk about how to manage imposter syndrome yourself. Yeah. So what are the best kind of techniques people can do? Um, yeah. So there is no magic pill. Mm -hmm. This takes time, practice and repetition. The best thing you can do is start to follow your, like I said before, follow your feelings. What are the things that you're experiencing on a day-to-day -day level? Is it um, worry? Is it doubt? You know, what, and then what's causing that doubt? What are the thoughts that are causing that? So you've got to be a bit of a detective. So a couple of things that I would say is really good um, that you could do. So one is to change your feelings. If you're in the workplace, you've, whether you're on Zoom or anything like that, so online or whether you're in person, if you're feeling like your inner confidence isn't there, then there's a really cool technique and it's called the power pose. Don't know if you've ever heard of it. Oh, I've heard of it. On that, yeah. that talk, Amy Cuddy's. Yes, Amy yeah. Cuddy. So if yeah. you can watch a TED Talk by Amy Cuddy, <laughs> wonderful. Watch it. But basically, if you stand in like a Wonder Woman um, pose for two minutes, mm -hmm. you change the chemistry in your body. Really? Like, yeah. You, re you reduce the stress hormone and you increase your testosterone. So just doing that for two minutes. Now, interestingly... If you're about to go in a meeting, there's no way you're going to be able to stand in the hall and just power pose, are you? Everyone's going to be looking at you. What are you doing? Luckily, we're working from home. so <laughs> We're working from home, so we're in the perfect time yeah. right now to be practicing this. But even when we go back into workplaces, mm -hmm. you can do this in the toilet. 
you can do it anywhere but if you don't have somewhere private in amy cuddy's book present she talks about there was people who were differently able that weren't allowed that weren't able to stand in the power pose but what they got them to do they got them to imagine themselves doing it and they right. test they tested their hormones and it still had the same impact that it did if you actually did it. So if you're sat on a train or you're sat in a meeting waiting for everyone to come in, just sit there and imagine yourself doing it. You're literally reducing your stress hormone, you're increasing the testosterone and you're gonna give yourself a boost of inner confidence. And is that because, you know, that stance creates this kind of like superwoman, superman feeling? Or is that kind of is that kind of Yeah, definitely. Without a doubt, what you do physically with your body creates a response. Wow. So that, that type of pose where you've got your shoulders back, your head up, your chin up, you're looking up, you're, you, this is a powerful pose to stand in. Yep. And therefore, once you stand in that, your body starts to release the chemicals to go with it. If you see someone who's depressed, you normally see them. They're quite huddled up. They're down. Their face is down. They, they walk. You know, you can see that they're closing in on themselves. So that creates a response. So just remember, however you hold your body creates a response. Mm. So even sitting with your shoulders back and your head up, yeah. you immediately, your body, if you start to try and feel like doubting yourself with your shoulders back and your head up, it's quite difficult. Yeah, yeah. You're kind of more <laughs> open. Yeah. yeah. And your body's going, no, that, that this this thought and this feeling doesn't go with this yeah, so, yeah definitely mm, so that's really one thing you, that, that's one thing you can do to get yourself ready um so if you're doing if you're going for an interview if you're going into a meeting if you've got to have a challenging conversation if you're just going into a meeting where you feel like there's lots more experts in the room it's a brilliant thing to do it takes two minutes and Im- yeah. immediately you're giving yourself a boost. So that's one thing. Amazing. Yeah. Another thing that you can do is start to tackle the thoughts that you have. So if you think you're not smart enough to just, a lot of people say affirmations, well, just tell yourself you're smart enough, but your brain is really, it doesn't fall for that. If you if you don't think you're smart enough and then you just say, I'm smart enough, your brain goes, no, you're not. It doesn't okay. like it. Yeah, yeah. It, it, you've got to think of a neutral thought that your brain will resonate with. I am doing my best. I'm showing up as the best version of me. Whatever it is, and this is another good thing for while everyone's working from home, is just put post-it notes everywhere telling yourself all these little positive messages. Like I said, you have about 70,000 thoughts a day. So if you keep seeing these these post-its around the house that are factually true but they're a little bit of a nice pep talk for yourself you're programming your brain all day long with these different messages now i have them stuck to my computer i can show you now but no one else can see so before i go Mm. on a call i have a little one that says i'm good enough so it's constantly telling me before but if i go to make a cup of coffee or a cup of tea i open the cupboard there's one there if i go in the bathroom i open the cupboard there's one there the fridge yeah i open it wherever you want to put them and like normally when you're in the workplace like your colleagues would be thinking what's all these post-its but right now is the perfect opportunity to put them everywhere like i had a plumber who came to my house to do some work ages ago and i had one stuck on my bathroom mirror and he was going into the bathroom and before he came i was like should i take that down but then I thought, no, actually, because everybody needs to know these messages. Yeah, it'll break And actually, head. he thought it was really cool. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's one. Definitely to challenge your thoughts is start to put different thoughts around your space and workspace. Maybe it's your screensaver. Maybe it's a little reminder that comes up on your yeah. phone. Just start to tell yourself things that are validating your worthiness and your abilities whatever they are they're they're unique to you but start to tell yourself some of the good stuff and is there kind of so they're kind of you you mentioned kind of similar or the same as affirmations and is there is there something in either writing those down like every day or saying them out loud every day aka is there kind of something in repetition and how much you do it so how many times do you do it a week 
So think about it. If you, you never or very rarely now, if somebody gets up in the morning and doesn't brush their teeth, and if you forget to brush your teeth ever, it feels awful. Mm. But you've done it through repetition. You do it at the same time every day. You've been told that if you don't, your teeth will fall out. Yeah. So we've just got into the habit of brushing our teeth. With our mental health, it's a little bit more difficult because you can't see it. But just think of it as like brushing your teeth. It's the repetition and practice that starts to rewire your brain. So you can't just stick this sticker here, look at it once and think, oh, it didn't work. You've got yeah. to continually do it. Now, I journal every day. Okay, yeah. I journal about what I'm grateful for, but I also journal. I've got a pack of coaching cards with different questions on. So the one that came up this morning is what is my unique talent? So I sat there with my journal and just wrote down some things that are positive about me and what good about my talents. So it takes practice. Like I said, there is no magic pill. You have to build this inner confidence from inside, but it takes time. It takes practice and it takes repetition. If you're not going to do all of those things, then you're you're just going to get shaky results from it. Yeah, it's kind of doing like self-work, isn't it? Yeah. Like, put so much it, time into hard. everything else, really. We put so it's much hard. time into stuff. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's easier to stay stuck and feel miserable and experience imposter syndrome. Actually, wanting to change it takes hard work. Yeah. And perseverance. But you can. So that's another thing I would say is these little post-its and journaling is a, is a wonderful thing to do. Great. Okay, great. How can we help younger people? I guess, you know, if we have like younger siblings coming into university, et cetera, what's the best way to help them learn about imposter syndrome or those feelings or get them to start training their mind to think more positively? Definitely. So I know that there's, there's coaches out there that do the type of work I do for children. Like the earlier we can challenge our beliefs about ourselves, the better. So even the techniques that I share, you can do those with kids. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like um, I did a workshop last year for a charity and um, a lot of the people in my workshop work with children. They use the power pose with them. They do the sticky notes everywhere. They get the journal. Yeah. Like all of the techniques that I share are not just for adults. Anybody can use them. But I think what I find is really important is for us not to be telling people they've got imposter syndrome like Mm. you we can say have you ever heard of imposter syndrome here's something that I think you could read to see whether it resonates with you so we don't want to go pointing at people and saying I think you're an imposter yeah Um, it's just pointing them to some reading that they can do and then they might read it and go I resonated with all of that that's definitely me and then pointing them to some resources like I said that just the ones that I've given today if we just Mm -hmm. started to do those things over and over again you start to change it and if you're really experiencing it that it's really getting in the way of your career it's affecting your confidence it's affecting how you show up at work then you might want to look at getting some professional help yeah absolutely I would just say if you do experience this it is more normal to feel this way take a breath just you know say out loud I experience imposter syndrome you know it's just give yourself the relief to know that you're not alone it's not something that is bad it is something that you just can tackle but definitely with time and practice you can manage and overcome it so just If you are, just show up and do the work. Show up and do the work and then that will allow you to enjoy your career. Yeah, amazing. Patricia, thank you so much. That was really, really helpful. And I really hope our listeners find that really useful. Yeah, thank you, Adela, for having me on.